Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we will hear from lead pastor Dave Carroll as he teaches the next message in our series, All Fired Up. Let's join him now. Hey, we're in this series, All Fired Up. Last week we talked about Ehud in Judges chapter 3. He was a guy who shoved a sword through the king that was oppressing the nation of Israel. And he was an uncommon guy, left-handed, which they didn't choose many left-handed leaders back in the days of the judges. But God chose him, and he drove a sword through this king. This king died, and Israel experienced freedom. And we came up with the message point, will someone please, if you know it, say it with me, will someone please what? Stand up. Will someone please stand up? Well, this is a little bit different today because last week was very internal. It was very personal. But today, through Deborah, we are going to look out at others. Now, helping others doesn't come naturally to most people. If you're one of those weirdos where helping others comes natural to you, will you just raise your hand right now so we can send you out of the room? Because <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know. You know, I, I came up with this. Uh, bless you if you help others. That's awesome, naturally. But the rest of us have to work on it. Amen? Yeah, we do. Well, normally I, I come up with a beginning illustration or story, and it, it works really well. But today, something happened early in the morning that illustrates the one time I helped someone. Now, this isn't a superhero story. And uh, my family, uh, is my wife, Amy, and I have been married over 16 years. And we have four boys, Aiden, Drew, Dax, and Briggs. They're 12, 11, almost four, and almost six. And uh, in our family, we have two people who are smart and four people who really aren't. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you have that in your family? Where you look at somebody in your family, you go, even though it could be a kid, and you go, that, that kid's smart. <laughs> They're just smart. Well, Amy and Aiden are the smart ones in our family. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, they're the ones, when, uh, when we need an answer, it just comes to the top of their head. I'm watching TV the other day, and the water's green in this river. And, and I think, why is the water in, in that river just deep green. And Aiden is sitting there and they haven't shown anything yet. Just this green water. He goes, well, dad, that's probably in Ireland. And, uh, you know, on St. Patrick's day every year, they dye their rivers green in Ireland. And I went, no, they don't. And lo and behold, the, the camera zooms out, and what's happening? You see uh, leprechauns dancing around, and uh, people swimming, and I'm thinking, you're smart, and I'm not. And Amy has that same gift. That's where he gets it from. Well, today, dumb people ruled in the house. You know what I'm saying? Uh, does anybody else get excited when that happens? Like when you're the person who's always wrong? Yeah. Well, Aiden is learning to put in his contacts, and He's doing this so he can play sports and not have glasses on when he plays basketball or football. And, and so he's trying to learn. Well, today was the day after about four or five days of success where he finally tried to put his contact in and it fell to the ground and he thought he'd lost it in his eye. And so the smart people were over there looking in the eye and the dumb guy was going, wait a second. You know, if it was in his eye, I'm thinking he would be hollering, he'd be screaming, he'd be uncomfortable. And so while they're looking in the eye, I said, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go look for the contact. And they said, you'll never find the contact. The contact's lost. It's gone. It's probably in the carpet somewhere. He probably had it on his finger, thought he put it in his eye. And all these theories came out. Well, the dumb guy, when everybody left and stopped looking because it was unfindable, uh, when the dumb guy decided to keep looking, I turned all the lights off, put my cell phone light on, and I thought, this thing's shiny. I'm going to find it somehow. So this morning, I confess to you, although I'd love to tell you I spent 10 extra minutes in prayer or something like that, something holy, I spent about 10 extra minutes on my hands and knees with the lights off with my iPhone flashlight uh, just scanning the floor 
And lo and behold, I found the contact. I found the contact. It was the dumb guy. It was the dumb guy, and it was my great victory for the year. But I have to confess, here's how I found, here's how I found the contact. It wasn't because I was shining the light at the floor. I didn't find it out of persistence that way. I got tired of looking, and when I got tired of looking, I stood up on my bare feet in the bathroom, and I felt something in my foot. And I went, wait, I think I just found the contact. And there it was. So I picked it up, and I looked at it, and I'm like, dancing across my house. I'm like, dumb people rule. The guy that never gets it right in the house. I got it right. And here's what I know. Uh, besides that Aiden is wearing a contact in his eye right now that I had on my foot. But that's a totally different, that's a totally different sermon. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. We rarely spend enough time helping others, do we? We will rarely go the extra mile to look in a place in someone else's life that they need help. We'll rarely get on our hands and knees. We will rarely get out our tools, our resources, our time, our money. We will rarely give our attention to someone else's needs. Now, this was a rare victory, and it was kind of a silly victory. But here's what I know. There are people in this room whose husbands are crying out for their wives to jump in and help them. There are kids who are crying out for their parents to to just come and give them a little boost in life as school approaches. There are business people who have gotten in big trouble from a lack of integrity who are crying out saying, someone help me. And here's the good news. There are people who are crying out for a Savior, and we know who our Savior is, don't we? It is Jesus Christ, and we have the answer to help them. There are lost people crying out saying, someone please share their faith. And so everyone, look at the back of your program. You can take notes if you're new here. It's a great way to follow along, jot down what God is impressing on your heart, something that you learned. But let's go to our vision statement because the title of the message today is, It's About People Without the Perks. It's about people without the perks. If we're going to be fired up about Jesus, if we're going to be fired up for God, then we have to be fired up about the things of God. And here's what we know. The primary object of God's kingdom is is not things. It's who? It's people. It's people. That's who God is after. And so we have to get fired up about people without receiving personal perks. Do you know what Amy and Aiden did when I found the, the contact? They went, You were lucky. Good. Now I get the contact in my. There was no party. There was no perk. I'll go back home, and uh, I will get no credit for that at all. I promise you. And to be honest, I don't deserve it. I stepped on his contact. But let's look at our vision statement. It says this. We are a different and refreshing church. Say these next two words. Helping people far from God come alive in Christ. Do you know that the very heartbeat of Elevation Church has the word people and has the word helping? We are here to help each other. We are here to help our families, our extended families, people who are not here but maybe should be. We're here to help people who don't go to church, who may not know God, who are lost. We're here to help people who are far from God come alive in Christ. And the only way we can do this is to get fired up about people. Are you with me? to get fired up about helping people. And so we're going to visit Judges chapter 4, and here's how I decided to, to go, go through this. It's a little bit longer passage, but it's a really cool story. And uh, Deborah is 
the only lady judge recorded in the scripture. Can we give it up for our ladies today? And so uh, today is a great day to celebrate uh, how God uses ladies. And so we'll read uh, all the way through verse 24 right now, and then we'll come back and talk about how to get fired up about people without the perks or without the credit. Here's what it says in Judges chapter 4 and verse 1. Judges chapter 4 and verse 1. When Ehud was dead, that was the judge we looked at last week, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in Harasheth Hagayim. Aren't you glad that we have better names of cities than this, right? And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron, You get this? This guy had a strong army. It would be like the United States with all of our F-16s and and all of our big artillery. That was what this guy had. And for 20 years, for 20 years, because they did evil in the sight of the Lord, it says he harshly oppressed the children of Israel. God handed them over to a harsh leader. Remember last week we talked about trading in our personal pleasure, the short time for God's long-lasting and eternal peace. So verse 4 says this. This is where we check in. God raises up Deborah. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel. And uh, that's where Ephraim meets. And uh, in, in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Ebenom, and Kadesh and Naphtali. And he said to him, this is, what, this is what Deborah says, listen to this. Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men, because they have 900 chariots, right? Of the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun. And against you I will deploy Sisera the commander of Jamin's army and with his chariots and multitude at the river Kishon. And I will deliver him into your hand. And Barak said to her, I love this. This is what I said in school a lot. If you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, then I will not go. So she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Saying, because you won't stand up and do what God's asking you to do, the glory is going to go somewhere else. And you would think that the woman was Deborah, but that's not how the story ends. So are you tracking with me here? God raises up Deborah, right? Deborah is the one who goes and judges. She sits under a palm tree. And at this palm tree, she calls for people and gives them the command of the Lord in the Old Testament as a prophetess. And here she finds Barak, who is supposed to deliver the nation of Israel from the oppressing king who has 900 chariots. But he won't go unless Deborah goes with him. That's what's happening in the story. And so verse 10 says this. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. He went up with 10,000 men under his command, and Deborah went with him. Who went with him? Deborah. Deborah did. Let's skip over to verse 14. It says, then Deborah said to Barak, because it was time for war, get up, for this is the day which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? 
So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot like the coward he really was. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Harisheth and Hegum. And all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left except for this. However, Sisera, the commander of the army, had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber and the Canaanite. For there was peace between Jabin and the house of Heber the Canaanite. So here is the lady that would steal the glory from the guy who couldn't do his job without some help. Her name was Jael. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord. Turn aside to me. Do not fear. Can I tell you guys, when a strange woman says, come over here with me, what do you got to do? Run, right? Your wife wants you to do what? Run. Your future wife, single people, wants you to do what? Run. It's no good hanging out with some other lady. Can I get an amen? That came from all the ladies, didn't it? And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Then he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I'm thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him, tucking him in at night. Aw, right? And he said to her, stand at the door of the tent. If any man comes and inquires of you and says, is there any man here? You're going to say, no. This is where the woman stole the glory from the guy who wouldn't stand up, wouldn't get fired up. It says, then Jael, Haber's wife, took a tent peg, this is better than Mission Impossible, you know what I'm saying? Took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand because the ladies actually bore the responsibility back in Israel of setting up tents. It was the ladies who set up tents, kind of like in Montana, right? (laughs) We can relate. They're just waiting on their husband, says, ah, forget it. I'll set the tent up. Let's go. So she knew how to drive a tent peg. So she took the hammer in her hand and went softly, creeping up to him, and drove the peg into Sisera's temple, the opposing commanders of the opposing army drove this peg through his temple, and it went down into the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary, so he died. And then Barak, as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said, come, come. I'll show you the man whom you seek. And when he went into her tent, there lay Sisera dead with the peg in his temple. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. And at the very end of chapter 5, it says, um, Thus all your enemies perish. O Lord, but let those who love him be like the sun when it comes out in full strength. So the land had rest for 40 years. They were in captivity for how many years? 20 years. But because someone got fired up, now they had God's peace for 40 years. Do you see how that works when we get fired up for God and we begin to get fired up about the things of God, in this case, people? And so how do we help people? How do we help people looking at the story of Deborah? Number one, fired up people take the right position. This is a blank for you. You may want to write it in. They take the right position. Now, if we come back into verse 4 
of Judges chapter 4. It says, now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at the time. She became a judge. We found out last week that judges, their place was to be the deliverer. That's what it literally meant in the original language, that the judge was the one to deliver the nation of Israel from their own stupidity. How many of you have ever been delivered from your own stupidity before? And you thank the Lord for that person. But here's what we know. Deborah had a position. Now, there are two types of positions you need to get in position to help people. Here they are. People, there's a people position involved. This is your next blank. This is where we take a position for the ability to influence. Hey, we have a basketball team here today, uh, which we'll introduce to you later. But uh, when you're playing basketball, there's a person who has the ability to influence you, and his name is Coach, right? If you don't follow the team rules, what happens? Coach can sit you down on the bench, He can suspend you. He can have influence in your life. Coach can say, hey, I want you to run this play on the court. And when we get in position position to influence people, that's the first way we can help people. Can I tell you that God has given all of you, not even almost all of you, all of you a position to influence someone else for his glory. Do you know that? You may feel like a nobody in this room. Anybody ever felt like a nobody? You may feel like, ah, oh, I can't influence anybody. I just come home and get, after being yelled at for nine hours at work, and I get yelled at again, and that's my life. I have no influence, but that's not true. God has given you influence, place of influence. Let me tell you, if you are a middle schooler or a high schooler in the room, God has given you classmates that you sit around that you can influence, a position with people. Uh, if you're at work and you have colleagues, God has given you a position of influence to influence them for his kingdom. If you are a husband, God has given you a position of influence to influence your family. If you're a wife, God has given you a position of influence with lots and lots of kids. You know, I, I realize that my family with four boys has more potential to influence the neighborhood than any other house because I have four boys and they're always with other kids and I get to know parents. But let me ask you, what are you using your position for? Are you using your position to point people to God, to get fired up, to help them who are far from God come alive in Christ? Or are you just squandering the opportunity? Now, Let's look at Deborah for just a second. Hey, anytime we study the scripture, we need to um, let it bear down on us, let it weigh about a couple things that I know are big questions in our society today. This doesn't necessarily have a lot to do about helping people, but it's a good question. And uh, let's deal with the fact that Deborah was the judge and that God raised up a lady. Do you know that many times people look at the Bible and they say, oh, the Bible's old school. The Bible doesn't matter uh, because, you know, they kind of discount ladies. Can I tell you that the greatest nation for the freedom of women was born out of Christian principles? Do you know that? That the nation of America where ladies have experienced more freedom than ever before was born off of biblical principles. And here's what we know about Deborah. You may want to write this down. It's not on the screen. Her name means B. Name, her name literally means, it's translated, B. Now, I don't know if this is any correlation or not, but you know what bees do? They take pollen and they go and they help different flowers grow, don't they? They, they give a lot. And this helps us understand what it means to help people, the concept of a bumblebee, even though that's not exactly what it meant. But that, put that picture in your head. Um, it also, she also was a person, the name meant to arrange a meeting. 
to arrange a meeting. So Deborah was someone who used her position to arrange a meeting. We saw in verse 4 through 6, helping judge the nation of Israel. And, and so here's a question that people have. Can, can women be used by the Lord and the church? What is the answer? What, say it stronger. What is the answer? Yes, we value ladies. And here's three ways that the Bible says ladies are equal to men. You may want to write these down because this is what the Bible teaches. We don't have time to go into it all the way. But number one, women are equal in nature. Women are equal in nature. God created man and woman equal right there. Uh, Men are not a better species. The Bible does not say that. Uh, Ladies and men are equal equal in God's eyes, created with the same abilities to think, to exercise love, to act with their hands. Here's another way that ladies are equal, and we see this in the Bible, in spiritual gifts. You may want to write that down. You know, there is not a single spiritual gift in the New Testament ascribed to a guy that a lady can't have. Isn't that a cool thing? And see, people look at the Bible and say, oh, well, it degrades ladies. And that's not true at all. Here's another way that women are equal. They're equal in redemption. Does God care about ladies? Did Jesus die on the cross for ladies? Absolutely he did. And many times I think he looks down and says, I specifically died for ladies, and I'll kind of let the guys in. Because the more my eyes see, the more I go, I think ladies are worth a little bit more. Can I get an amen? I mean, I don't know what I would do without Amy Carroll. But here is where men and women are different in the Bible. They are different. You may want to write this down. We are different in function. We are different in function. You see, God raised up this judge, Deborah, and many people think it's because, well, there wasn't a guy. Well, you know, as I look through the story, I don't see that. I don't see that there wasn't a guy. I see that God raised up Deborah to help a guy who just couldn't get it done. And so we're different in function. And what does this mean in the Bible and for the church? It means this. There are two places where God separated out the function for men. And those two areas, you may want to write it down and we can study it later, are pastor and elder. Pastor and elder, those are two functions that God set aside for men to lead. Now, can ladies teach? Yes. In 1 Corinthians 11, it says ladies can prophesy. That's part of the New Testament. They can teach the Bible. That's what prophesying is in New Testament times. It's not coming up with something that uh, you think God told you. No, that's last night's pizza. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, But it's teaching and edifying the body of Christ through the Bible. And so ladies have the ability to do that. And we exercise that in our small groups. And uh, the ladies who have taught have done an awesome job. But we're different in function. And those are two places where lady, the, the Bible does not give ladies that function in the church. But everywhere else, ladies have the ability to lead civilly in, in society. Uh, they can even be a part of the military. Although we can say that guys, God built guys stronger, right? And, and so some of us might say, wow, well, man, is the Bible... Is the Bible, you know, bigoted? Is it biased for only letting God be the pastor? Why do I have to subordinate? We also see that the Bible gives the function of the role of the leader in the house to the who? To the man. And ladies, I, I hear this because it's a hot topic, say, well, does that make me less because God set the man as the head of the household? The answer is no, and here's why. Everybody check into this. This is very important. Jesus, when he walked the earth... Was he subordinate to the Father? Did he take, did he take uh, directive from the Father in heaven? Did he? 
Yes, he did. Was he any less equal because he took direction? No, he wasn't. He was not inferior at all because check this out. If Jesus was inferior to the Father, the second person of the Trinity, the Son, if, if he wasn't equal with the Father, then his sacrifice on the cross would have been what? Worthless because he wouldn't have been God. If he was anything less than God, the sacrifice on the cross wouldn't have worked. And so even in his subordination, he was still equal because it was a function. It was a function. And so that was a little aside about ladies. Does that help you a little bit with a hot topic in society about the Bible? I think it would. So that is the position that God gave Deborah. But there's another type of position, another type of position. It's the place, the place where we reside in a location for influence. Where did Deborah go down to? She went underneath the palm tree where she could help people. Can I tell you today there's probably an action that you have to take. There is something you have to do, a place you have to be to help someone God wants you to help, but you're not going there. Can I tell you this? Guys, you can help your wife by going to sleep when she goes to sleep and not watching porn. Do you know? That's a place to get in position and not just live off of your position, right? Some of your positions don't matter because you won't get in the right position, in the right place. Some of us are not going to uh, church on Sunday morning and taking our position, standing in the right place. We'll, we'll stand with all the people we know instead of being outward focused and looking for the people who don't know anybody. We have to get in position. Deborah was someone who always went every day to the palm tree and everyone knew where they could find her so that she could help them. Do you get what I'm saying? So she could help them. Listen to Mark 10, verse 43 and verse 45. But among you, it will be different. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man did not come to be what? Served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for the many. Here's your second and final point. Fired up people are catalysts unconcerned with personal perks. You know the number one reason we won't get fired up about other people? Because we always ask the question what? What's in it for me? What am I going to get out of helping this person? But fired up people get past this element. They say, I don't care if I get the credit. Who deserves the credit? God deserves the credit and the glory. And we serve because we have a heart like God's for people around us. Listen to Hebrews chapter 11. Here's the truth. Deborah is really the real hero in the story, isn't she? She's the one who, who went in, who got Barak uh, going and got him doing God's will. She's really the hero. But in verse 14, she exits the scene of the story. She's not really even a part of the story anymore. She sends him off, says, I'm going to help you do this. Get out there and do what you're supposed to do. But listen to Hebrews 11. This is called the hall of faith in many circles in the Bible, Hebrews 11. Look who gets the credit for the victory. It wasn't Jael, the, the lady who drove the tent peg through the temple of Sisera. It was, it was none other than Barak. Listen to this. Hebrews 11, this is who gets the credit. How much more do I need to say it would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon? Who's the next name? Barak. Whoa. 
as the author of Hebrews recounts the story of Judges, who gets left out? Deborah. Whoa. Wait, isn't Deborah the hero? Isn't Deborah the one who deserves the glory? Yeah, I think she was, but she's not the one who got the credit. And can I tell you, God wants you to help people without the perks. You know what, there may be someone in your life, let me ask you, who is it? There's someone in your life that you know you can go to and you can help them in life. There's someone you can share your faith with. There's a job here at Elevation Church that you can sign up to serve at that you may not get credit. Someone else may be getting more credit than you. There might be a job at home where you don't get credit. There may be someone that you have to help that you're going, there's not enough in it for me. Who is that person? And why won't you help them? Why won't you help them? Why won't I help them? It's because we're really, at the end of the day, trying to help who? Ourselves. But fired up people raise up like Deborah, and they have a heart for others. And regardless of the credit, they take their position and use their position for God's glory. That is who we need to be. And so here's your take home. You want to write this down. You will help where your heart is. You will help where your heart is. I want to tell you a quick story. Look at this picture up here on the screen. This is a picture of a young Sudanese toddler back in 1993 with a vulture on the ground, uh, maybe taking a look-see to see if he wanted a bite. This young Sudanese toddler who was famished, didn't have anything to eat. And the whole point of the, the picture in the article was to demonstrate how needy the Sudanese were in 1993. So a man by the name of Kevin Carter left his post in Australia to go take pictures for a news story. And so he took this picture, which has become iconic. Well... The picture was sold to the New York Times, and the New York Times ran a story about how much trouble the Sudanese were in. And instead of receiving a lot of feedback about, oh, the poor Sudanese, the people who read the article in New York decided uh, that's not real, the real issue. They want to know what happened to the boy. They said, hey, did the guy taking the picture help the boy? Well, They didn't know this, but they became enraged that he couldn't help the boy on government orders. He wasn't allowed to pick up the boy because they were afraid of transferring disease. But the complaints rose so large, people got so upset that no one helped this boy, but yet they would photograph him, that the man who took the photograph, he became so discouraged, and within three months... He killed himself. He bought into the lie of suicide. And today, if you're here and maybe you're committing suicide, that's a lie or you're thinking about it. That's a great lie. Ending your life is not the way to save it. It's found in Jesus Christ. But I want to ask you a question. Who is sitting on the ground that you're more interested in taking pictures of, that you're more interested in looking at but not helping in your life? Who is the person Who needs you the most? Today, can I tell you, you will help where your heart is. You know, some of us are getting ready to help the NFL owners get real rich. 
and give all our time there by watching, by buying. Some of us are making bars really rich because we're going out to drink. We're going out to party. Some of us are making places that have no meaning in this life very wealthy because that's where our heart is, so we're helping them. But today, here's what I'm asking. Will you place your heart in the things of God and begin to help with all of your might there? Will you, will you stand up and say, I will share my faith to the person who's crying out for help in life because we know that Christ is the answer. I will serve at my church because I know that Jesus says the local church is the hope of the world. I will serve my wife because she is the greatest gift God gave me. I will not let her sit on the ground and take pictures any longer. Do you, are you with me? Do you understand? You will help where your heart is. So today, place your heart and the things of God. And where is that today we, that as we study? His heart is for people. Say people. His heart is for people. So who is the person that you have to help this week? Hey, I want to invite you to bow your head and to close your eyes as we come to a time of response. And I want to ask this simple question. Today, I want to help you. Maybe today... You walked in without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's how I want to help you. I want to tell you that he was truly God. He walked the earth, lived a perfect sinless life, shed his blood on the cross, on the downtown garbage heap, hanging half naked, shed his blood, and then rose again. Why did he do that? He did that so that you could have eternity with God in heaven, so that you could know that you are saved. And here's what I want to ask you. Today, can I help you make that decision for the first time? If you want to receive Jesus Christ, will you raise your hand? Is there anyone in the room that says, today, I want to make today the day where I give my life to Jesus Christ? Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Please take a few moments to respond to today's message. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.